0: This is Fred Passaro, and you're listening to Metal Matters, the official gimme metal podcast where we explore all things new, some things classic, but all things heavy, with my co host Michael Berdan. We're thrilled to speak with the inimitable KW from Canadian Doom Juggernaut's Vile Creature. From humble beginnings in the DIY community of Hamilton, Ontario, creature has steadily developed to become one of contemporary extreme music's most acclaimed and influential bands, even earning a Juno Award nomination for their 2020 album, Glory Glory, Apathy Took Hell. Those already familiar with creature will surely know that apocalyptic riffs and rhythms are only part of what KW and their partner and bandmate, Vic, contribute to the world at large. They are business owners, community activists, and important stalwarts of queer visibility, inside and outside of extreme music at large. We caught up with KW to talk about the healing powers of having music, growing up queer and endeavoring to create a more positive, safe environment, and what it's like to balance a business, a romantic partnership, and a successful band. In wonderful KW fashion, they completely managed to flip the script on us a number of times and turn your ever serious journalistic hosts into completely disarmed subjects. The whole conversation was a lovely, emotive, and thought-provoking experience. We hope you enjoy our conversation as much as we did. We're doing <laughs>
1: So we're supposed to talk about music
2: I mean, yeah. guess at some point. I guess, like, <laughs> like, like if I mean if, if you feel like it, I mean I guess like music's kind of like the thing that you know, I'm, it's like the common it's why it's why we asked you to talk, but also we asked you to talk because uh like I, I, I like you on Twitter. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 you, and you seem very funny and nice And honestly, I'm more interested in funny and nice conversation than I am in music However, yeah. I really, really liked your record from last year And so I like talking about that kind of stuff too Congratulations yeah, on the idea. Juno nomination Oh, thanks oh, Yeah.
1: I was sitting right here in my office at work when we found out it was weird
2: why? Wow. Now, did you know about it beforehand, or you, or did you just find out when they unsealed? So the way the Junos
1: work is, so you Junos like a just like I mean, just like the Grammys, things are submitted. Uh, I know that like our label submitted our record, um, but like the Junos are, it's it's like it's the Canadian Grammys for those who don't know what the Junos are. It is the Canadian Grammys, and like there was no. I had no expectations or thoughts. I knew that they had submitted it and I didn't think about it again. Uh, and then I was told to watch the press conference. They was like, cause they usually they do it at like a the sound Academy or rebel, which is one of the big venues in Toronto. We live in Hamilton, Ontario. So usually like it's broadcast on the CDC and you watch it and they announced the bands and this year, obviously COVID. So they were like, it's a digital press conference. And we we were sitting, we were at work. Uh, my, my partner, Vic, and I own a like a vegan grocery and bakery in Delhi. So I'm like currently in the office and we were like, Vic was getting the store open and it started at 11 a.m. And that's the press conference started. So The mm-hmm. store's opening and I'm sitting back in the office working. And then I had the press conference on and they did it in like three, three different segments of like, had, like someone talk and then a segment of a third of the nominees. And then someone talked and then a segment and then a lot of people talked, and then the third. And so we were just waiting and listening And then, like, the third to last category is metal, and they started announcing the names. And we, again, no hopes, no expectations. We didn't know other than we knew to watch. And then they got through, like, the fourth out of five, and we weren't, and we're like, that's, there was no expectation anyway. I didn't think of it, and then we were the last one announced on the category. And we both flipped out in, like, a cool. It was, like, very, like, uh, very rad. Um, we got like messages from my grandparents and like Vic's mom. Cause that's the type of thing that they would keep up with is the Junos. And like, our picture was on the CDC. <laughs> so that thing's cool and weird.
0: Mm, right. Right. But, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of rad, ba- like it's, what is it? Protest the hero and unleash the archers. which is like a power metal band and then annihilator and Cataclysm. it's like, it's a pretty loaded category. We have no thoughts or hopes of winning, which is fine. Being nominated is like really, it's very cool and not something I think either of us ever thought would be a thing when we like started playing weird, like a, like music that is almost begging people to hate it. So mm. I'm very, it's, it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I can, I can only imagine, I know just, you know, from my personal experience, you know, the, the last thing that you think is, like, I want to make music to, to, to win like prestigious awards, or like not even like prestigious yeah. awards, but like like famous, notable awards, awards that, you're, that you're, like your grandparents would, would know about. Like I, I didn't want my grandparents to even know that I played in a band, you know, let alone, yeah. <laughs> you know, let alone know what that band sounds like.: Why would you feel shame? ah, uh, you know, I might feel, sh- oh. fuck, <laughs> you know, every second of my life.
0: <laughs> I feel shame for Bernan right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you know, I, I feel I, like, like I felt shame for a while, but then apathy took help.
1: Yeah. Fair. Yeah. That's a pretty uniform feeling that I think people get. Uh. <laughs> God damn it! So I'm gonna turn this one. I'm gonna turn this one around, Mike. I gotta ask you. So uh, uh, you play in a band called Uniform, who released an album called Shame last year. And if people haven't picked it up, I've been subtly dropping names of tracks from that record into everything that I've been saying. I've it done really? four tracks so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with you, I know it's not my interview, but I'm still gonna ask a question. Because This is the first time that we get to chat. I um, it. When you guys started planning to write that record? But mm-hmm. when you started working on it, was there a conscious decision in the like, So, right way to even phrase this the so, like methodology behind the end sound? Because the end sound on that record is something wholly unique, where it is this really beautiful mesh of like really, really awesome, like late 90s and early 2000s industrial with a lot of noise and a really heavy understanding of current metal. And it's something that the like, I is not my usual listen, but I passionately loved. Where was the thought process on writing? Like, did that sound happen naturally? Was there a conscious decision into getting there? What, what was that process like from like, a, just from a, I, I'm trying to wrap my hand or my head around the songwriting aspect. And it's been hard.
2: You are wonderful. I'm glad that you like our silly little record. <laughs> um, uh, basically. So we, it, for the longest time, it was just me and Ben, our guitar player, and a drum machine and a couple of couple of synthesizers. For the record, before this, we we got a drummer who like learned the songs that we'd written on a drum machine and just like banged it out in the studio. On this record, we had we got yet a, yet another drummer, a new drummer that we had been playing with for a while, and we actually wrote together as a band for the first time and you know our drummer mike sharp has like a a a pretty extensive extensive uh vocabulary in like hardcore and dbeat where he's got a pretty extent
0: extensive vocabulary in in everything yeah for sure (laughs) yeah literally like he's one of the most Versatile people, I know. Honest. Yeah, he but yeah. Go ahead. He
2: goes. He, he's he goes around the block for sure. I kind of come. I you know I come from punk, but like I also tend to write a lot of you know it, like wacky industrial nonsense. And Ben, uh, our guitar player, is like a music school guy who understands metal at like. On like a mathematical level Like he might not listen to metal all of the time But he understands like why certain things Fit in certain ways And he does so he on a level like that like the trigonometry of heavy Exactly Like it's like the most obnoxious thing That you could possibly fucking imagine Like somebody applying a fucking formula To um, Why <laughs> To like why certain things will work Or won't work in a song But it works You know And um, Yeah and so, yeah, like we we sat down and just kind of, like we'd each written our own songs, and certain parts would work, other parts wouldn't, and we kind of fit it all together like a wacky puzzle, and then came. If up you don't mind me and-
1: interrupting you, did you find that there were songs that you didn't use that you were able to kind of like cannibalize and toss into the parts that? weren't working or was it very much like we have a like we have a three minute thing here it's not working come up with something together off of if mike brought in a song then the other two would kind of add their flavor after
2: sometimes but you're absolutely right there's a whole lot of like cannibalism and like frankensteining you know uh i feel i feel like when we frankenstein stuff when it's been just me and ben um you know we we'd sometimes take it too far and then you'd have like a song with like six parts and no song no 5 minute song deserves six parts i uh, it's you know we're 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 not cryptopsy so well, i mean
1: that's fair we're i mean to be fair i'm in a band where we have 14 minute long songs with three parts so i totally yeah, agree with you exactly
2: right you know like yeah yeah just like, lower repetitious
1: wins the race okay
2: yeah yeah I, i'm very much a keep it simple stupid like like Kind, kind of fool um so yeah that's 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 basically how how the record came together is like we all we all trusted each other to um to try to direct the songs in uh in an honest way devoid of uh, as devoid of ego as we could each be so that way we could feel free to tell each other when we thought something sucked um that's, and,
1: that's really important
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, we're all like in our 40s to or like mid, like late 30s and we've all been playing in bands for forever. So, you know, at this point, like nothing should be that precious anymore, you know, Uh, not if you want to make something worthwhile.
1: Well, I like that. It's interesting to me because I'm trying to break it down. And in my head, it's you need like your form, like, the performances is what brought everything together to make it sound coherent. But there's definitely in like, now that I know that it was a lot of, it was individually written and then for lack, like uh, corroborated together. Mm-hmm. Um, it like the performances is what brought it all together. And I like the fact that you guys have like a very high, like a highbrow person who's going to put it in mathematics. You've got somebody in the middle who can like hold it down on the rhythm and ground everything. And then you got somebody who's dispatching from the gutter to bring up all the gross. So it worked out. <laughs>
2: you are too good at slipping in these song title puns I love it <laughs> <laughs> oh god you are you are wonderful <laughs> adorable too so what can
1: I say it, it's the the way that God's hand <laughs>
0: <laughs> well let's 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 turn the tables here and let's start asking questions about you because people want to hear from you here. I don't care what you say. I don't care how many times you're nodding your head. People want to hear about you. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the band, like the genesis of the band. What came for, what, what came first, the band or um, um, the couple?
1: Uh, Vic and I started dating very honestly, like. They started at basically the same time. Vic and I started like hanging out and it was great. And Vic wanted to, Vic had never learned how to use an instrument and furthermore had never been like encouraged to do one. I think that they'd been with a lot of people and had a lot of friends who played music and played at bands and they were really supportive of music, but no one ever kind of encouraged them to be a part of the community in any way. And they were I don't know. They were really into the idea of learning an instrument and have good rhythm. So I was like, hey, if you if you get a drum set, I will teach you how to play drums. I know how to play drums. Yeah. I'm a like a bass was my first instrument. Guitar is the one I'm probably most proficient at now, but like drums is my like favorite instrument. So they, yeah. it like we went once to like a practice place in Toronto called the rehearsal factory where everything smells like farts and uh, okay. yeah, yeah. and uh, smelled a lot of farts and then sat down and just kind of played together. Um, I was like just showing like, and the only way I know how to like teach is very much just by writing. So I brought my guitar and an amp and pedal mm-hmm. and I was just like, here, I'm going to play a riff. Um, and you just hold down a beat and put your hand here on the hi hat, put your kick here on the pedal hit the snare on this, count to four, do a kick on one, do a hi-hat on three, do a snare on four, stuff like that. And by the end of that like hour of sitting there, Vic was holding down a standard rock beat at like 80 BPM without issue. And it was cool. And very much after that, we were like, you need to buy a kit and you need to play regularly because this is something that you're good at off the hop. Mm -hmm. And then Mm
2: -hmm. from there, I
1: think like a few days later, they bought one off of Kijiji, which is Canadian Craigslist and Mm -hmm. yeah we started them learning was me just starting to write music and then them playing to it and i would like come up with a beat and teach them how to play it and then write to it and three months later we went into a recording studio and wrote and recorded our first record just because nick was really quick off the hop learning and we had so much fun doing it and we found that it was like the right type of excuse me the right type of release and just it was the right thing to do. And Vic had a bucket list of things they'd always wanted to do. And I was really, I felt very passionate about like doing that bucket list. Cause they're such a wonderful person and they deserve to do everything that they want to do. So they wanted to record a record and play some shows and be in a band. So I was like, well, let's do it. Cause I hadn't played in a band in like five years. I hadn't been involved in music in like three and I was chill. And then we started doing things together and it was so much fun and so cathartic. And once we started coming up with lyrical content, it really helped both of us and me a lot process a lot of things. And it was just great and fun. And we have continued. That has been our band the whole way through. It's just been, let's just have fun and do these things that we like that Zig has never gotten to do. And now we're doing things I've never gotten to do. And it's great because I get to spend all this time with the person that I love the most and it's wonderful. And we're seven years into doing this as a band and 17 years into being together. And it's been, yeah, it's just been awesome. And that's, that's how we, that's how we started our band. Fred, how did you start booking shows and getting involved at St. Vitus? Because I know you do a lot wow. of show booking at St. Vitus. That's where I met you. Um, yeah. Booked a show um, that we played with a and in Interarma. And then you booked A show that we, the false release show that we played, uh, which is the two times that I met you. How did you start getting? Correct. How did you start getting involved in booking shows?
0: Wow. Um, Well, I'll tell you. When I was like, I'm from DC, and when I when I was like uh, 13, 14 years old, three, four years ago, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three or four (laughs) years ago, I was just like, kind of like a quiet, nerdy, shy kid that was like i want to be involved in music i don't know anybody i have no fucking idea how to get into it i have no idea so um this is when i was discovering a local band called fugazi and a local label called discord records never heard of them have they done anything important no, 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 no. It's all trash. Oh. But anyways, I'm <laughs> so, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you're going to just
2: take that meme of the kid in the classroom, like the little boy whose face <laughs> is about to explode
0: and <laughs> carry on. All right. I love them. All right. Let's leave it at that. All right. Um so, you know, it became like me like learning slowly how to do everything where i was for a while there i think when Berdan met me i was doing a lot of photography um i've done a lot of photography i started writing and uh next thing you know i was doing um all the a bunch of stuff at brooklyn vegan and uh that snowballed into uh, a site called invisible oranges. And then that snowballed into vice music. And then that snowballed into this and that snowballed into that. And I don't know, I've been booking shows for like often steadily for 10 years, but way before that as well.
1: Yeah. But what was the, to concise it a bit, what was the 10 years ago when you started booking shows regularly, what was the conscious decision to start putting shows together was it like I think I can make a living off of doing this was there specific bands that you just wanted to bring uh,
0: in? what was yeah, the- it's just like yeah yeah so it was it was it was as simple as um fuck I love that band why why aren't they playing my city? Oh that's because nobody's asked them you know and um that happened a few times and um then it became well shit why don't I just Make my own shows. You know, it's like if I'm booking this one band and I'm booking all these bands that I like, then um, I've created my own accidental sub economy. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. And then it just kind of just snowballed. And then it became something that was, I mean, you know, at, at first it's impossible booking and booking shows is thankless and shitty and hard. And then after a while, after you've done it a little bit, then it becomes a muscle. You know, it becomes like a it becomes a reflex and it gets easier because people start to know who you are and know to look to look for you and know like, oh well that guy does it, he'll do it, for, he'll do this show for us, that kind of thing. So now it's it's a lot easier than it was. But
1: it's the same. Like, I like that the trajectory of booking shows in your city is the exact same trajectory as playing shows outside of your city, where it's yeah. really hard at first to get a show to hey we're a band we have a uh, one song on a tape and we'd really like for you to book us here in Cincinnati Ohio please and maybe give us yeah. some money and then the longer yeah. you go the more it's like oh they want us to come and play there okay we'll do that that's cool it's it feels like yeah. it's the same type of trajectory
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean and it's funny because you know when I first started booking Booking like super actively. I started, I was doing a lot of stuff with like um uh Battlemaster and uh Bastard Sapling and all of the Richmond bands, and a lot of those guys became Inner Armour, you know? And so that completes the trilogy. So and then like I don't know, I think Inner Armor's first record came out in 2011 or something like that. So I've known them for a decade. So like that's that's kind of how these things work is as you guys know just like i i don't know like bernan and i were talking to ethan a couple of weeks ago uh, most of, most of these guys that most of uh you know us us guys that play in in music we don't our bands might die but you know they we'll we'll show up somewhere else you know we'll pop up somewhere else eventually because that's what uh, music people are like.
2: Yeah, or cancer or an STD. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, yeah, if exactly. You, and if you live, if you live long enough then then you are the cancer. So it works out well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> <gasps> Yeah, you're really like you're really lobbing these up for me. I did not think it would be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I well, I mean, I, I I've got I've got nothing. I'm gonna I'm going to blame this on the fact that I got the COVID vaccine uh, today, the first dose, and first, the, first
1: shot or second shot,
2: first shot. Abs. You can't say shit. It's the second shot where you get the shh. I know. But I'm just I would like to blame it on the microchips uh circulating through uh, my bloodstream. Uh, I, want, but I want
1: Bill Gates 5G chip <laughs> in my arms so badly.
2: I know. I mean, like, look, I, I mean we already have it in our pockets and in our hands with our fucking cell phones all all day yeah. long. i uh, um, I couldn't begin to care um, as long as it's not like nicotine at this point. What's going into my body?
1: Oh, well, these are Canadian. Uh, oh, Canadian so-
2: cigarettes. Twenty-five cigarettes. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, we have twenty. We have twenty-five packs because we want the cancer quicker.
0: Oh wow! Right. Man, yeah. If, if I. Could- oh yeah, I forgot Can you get like the ten packs there too?
1: No, that's England.
0: but if you go to australia
2: you can get 30 packs and that
0: is that is sick have you guys
2: played in australia
1: no that's so australia and japan are on the like bucket list Mm -hmm. and things that we would very much like to do at some point um it's hard because we're like as a band we we love we love playing shows like love playing shows but we also, like, we own we own a business that's fairly busy that requires both of us. So, yeah. and we just grew, like, we moved our, so we own, like, a, a vegan grocery store, basically, here in Hamilton that used to be, like, 800 square feet, and now it's 3,000 square feet as of January 15th. So, it, like... We significantly grown and we got a staff 10 people and wow. it's amazing. And everyone makes a living wage and it's super cool. And if there was ever a time to build a, like to grow your business, it's now where we can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. But also with that, like we can tour more than four to six weeks a year.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: we, yeah. So we can't really do more than four to six weeks a year touring.
0: Growing up in Hamilton, like what were, what were some of the yeah. bands that you G- don't cut your teeth on? Were you like a punk guy or? Metal guy, like what's what was your what was your you, shit? You grew oh, up in I Florida, did. right?
1: I did. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida.
0: Oh, oh, you did. Okay. Where?
1: Okay. Just north, wow. just north of
0: Miami. Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah. i so, so I was born in King City, Ontario, which is like a tiny, I can't even really call it a town. It's like a little farm village, like an hour and a half okay. north of Toronto. Mm. Um, mm. And then when I was two, my family moved down to Florida. And then I grew up down there, went to university in Florida. And then kind of like uh crustily traveled the East coast of the United States until I moved back to Canada, like nine years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you, you might've, um, were you around, were you young enough to see or old enough to see like cavity and floor and shit like that? And probably too young. Right?
1: No old enough, but not what I grew up on.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: I was very like uh what it like I loved music and definitely have drifted through genres my whole life, but I was never super married to one. I was a mm-hmm. huge and I still am, I'm a massive Sting fan.
2: Interesting. Okay. Did not know this not about you. The
0: Sting.
1: Wow. Not the police sting.
0: Yeah. Okay. Don't get the, the, not the not the NWO member Sting either. Just, I do just like NW. I do
1: like, I like, uh, I like California sting. Crow Sting's a little weird, but. Um,
0: <laughs> okay. yeah, good. Yeah. But no, good I, answer. Good answer.
1: Yeah. So it was a really big, like I grew up, my dad only had like nine CDs in his car. He wasn't a huge music guy, but the stuff that we would listen to, we would listen to on repeat. So like my introduction to music was a band called level 42 from England. Uh, I know them. I know them. Yeah, Something, something about, about
0: you.
1: you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah but like even like deep cuts and it was one of those things where like, it wouldn't be just like he would listen to the CD, but he would give me a, like I would hear everything and why this song is better than this one, even though they don't play it live, which is very much who I've become as an adult. Um, so it was like uh, a lot of sting um, Tom Petty and level 42 was basically what I listened to as a kid. And then from there it was a, uh, Really, speaking of, my dad is sending me a text message right now. Um, I'm gonna let him know I'm talking about him. Cute. Um, <laughs> I know, adorable. But yeah, so he, yeah, it was that, and then from there it became like new metal. Really, as I stated in a Slipknot shirt, it became like Kitty and Slipknot. Um, yeah, that whole that whole time <laughs> happened. And then from, like, new metal in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, I started getting into local music a lot more. And we mm-hmm. had, like, Poison the Well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at that, yeah, like, Poison the Well. Uh, Shai Halud had members from down there. So there's a little bit mm-hmm. of that stuff. But then, like, Converges, Jane Doe dropped, and mm-hmm. it changed shit.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. you could feel like i I know both you know and probably like the record but i know i know you'll both agree that there was like a shift in how everybody in metal and hardcore um or at least like smaller level metal and hardcore there was a shift in how people approached writing music how they played live and how they presented themselves after jane doe came out it's been totally it's been spoken about a million times as like it's a genre shifting album, which most people don't have. But like they're the black flag of our generation from the iconography to what they did to music. There's no band more important to heavy music from the early 2000s on than Converge. And mm-hmm. hearing that, like the first four songs, Blair on Jane Doe kind of changed my approach to heavy being like, oh, cool there doesn't have to be rapping that's rad that's cool that's cool cool cool. um and yeah from there it got yeah there from there it was just like a mixed bag of things um just a weird yeah weird mix south floridas are like usually seven or eight years behind when it comes to the music that it gets into and what its scenes are doing like i'm pretty sure right now in south florida kids just learned how to cut their bangs and symmetrical Mm -hmm. like that's what's in fashion now (laughs) um yeah but yeah, and then I don't know. it would always like for me, it's always been the Tragically Hip and the Hold Steady are the only two bands I really listen to since yeah. the early 2000s, and that's never changed.
0: That's quite all right. Yeah. 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 I, and you know, then, ironically, some some of my favorite bands ever are all Floridian bands, you know, like I guess like Death and Obituary, and oh my God, so many of those at the same You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What you're saying is 100% true about like, Things being late, but then also there's so many things there that were early as well.
2: Yeah. Also, like when it comes to Miami and like Miami, like kind of like the metalcore scene of like the late 90s and early 2000s, like I think about all the like the Damien Moyale bands, like Morning Again and Culture and, Until Bird- the
1: end and all those bands. Yeah.
2: Birdville Omen yeah. and like all that. And it's like they're like, it's one of those things where it might not have, Uh, have originated there thematically, but they definitely have a way of like improving on the style. You know, I would much rather listen to culture than say earth crisis, even though I find both of their politics to be not so great.
1: Well, it's uh, so I'll, I'll qualify your statement, but I'll also say very specifically that while there are absolute standouts that come from Florida and I'll give them that for sure. Like, Mm. There are, for every one, like, for every band, like, culture, there's 700 around that think they're the shit that are absolutely horrible, which is the same of every local music scene. Mm-hmm. But, like, I am not, I, I am, I'm not the greatest person to talk to about Florida love because I have a severe, deep, and profound hate for the place that I grew up. Fair. It's, like, <laughs> the only place that's going to play. I'll never play a show down there. Uh, if my mom and dad didn't still live down there, and one of them might not soon, I would never go back there. Uh, If it didn't mean mass murder, I would set the physical place on fire, start front back. Um, All of my trauma as a human being uh, comes from South Florida and the—I don't know—from the early 2000s until around 2010. The way that people are down there—it's the—it's the the, as close to like the weird wild west mentality as you can get is what south florida has maybe it's the weather maybe it's the closest to the bermuda triangle uh maybe it's the fact that you don't get the serotonin release of having a seasonal change because it's always just like uh 91 degree, 80 to 91 degrees but yeah. Eating, i yeah i like South Florida is why I ended up in the hospital a million times and got the shit kicked out. It's like the least accepting place I've ever been. And there are wonderful people from there and there's wonderful people down there. But like, I will never, everybody hates where they're from. I want to murder where I'm from with a passion. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> you moved up and down the East Coast, like you said, and then you moved back to uh, back to Canada and you're in Hamilton. And I don't, I don't know much about Hamilton other than the fact that Haymakers from there who I would uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I would Not put they, they, they don't make Hamilton look like The most progressive place in the World <laughs> in particular when it comes to Like hardcore
1: You know yeah. so, But you have to keep in mind also That uh, Cursed is from
2: Hamilton True yeah I,
1: Yeah. TV, TV freaks are from Hamilton And shallow North Dakota is from Hamilton
2: I did not. Oh, God bless shallow North Dakota.
1: So You've got, yeah, there's
2: Hamilton has a really, I
1: don't know. Hamilton has a rich, heavy and weird history. It's the, like, I've only lived here for four years, so I cannot claim to be a like expert on Hamilton or even Hamiltonian yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not leaving. I love it. Um, it, It's 40 minutes outside of Toronto. So it's quick access to everywhere. but more importantly, it's like 700,000 or so people in the area. It's steel; like this is the Canadian steel city. It's the sister city to Pittsburgh. It's very much it's as working class, as union driven, as in Canada, like our major. I'm going to dumb this down a lot, but our major parties are you've got the, uh, the liberals who would align more with the Democrats. You've got the. conservative party which align more with the republicans and you've got the new democratic party or the ndp which is as close to a socialist party as you can get Mm -hmm. and hamilton is Mm -hmm. the ndp's stronghold it's union heavy it's people focused in general and you've got a lot of shitty weird things that go along with uh, like politics in general but like yeah i don't know it's i like the ethos of this town a lot i like the things that come out of it are really cool. The art is gritty. The people uh, do things with a purpose, which I love. And it's also per capita in square, in square kilometers or miles uh, in the world, the place that has the most waterfalls. That's
2: amazing. Really? There you go. You just, city changed, Hamilton. You just changed my perspective <laughs> of the city of Hamilton. And I think that took you less than two minutes.
1: I'm okay. I, can, I, can, I can be convincing when I need to be. I love Hamilton. It's really great. Um, the only thing it lacks is a concert venue. We have like a couple small bars that do shows and like, we don't really have any like venue venues because most people, the Southern Ontario's curse is that we have Toronto here, yeah. which is where everyone goes. So like, we don't, we've played twice in Hamilton. I think we play like 20 times in Toronto.
2: That would, that would make sense. Uh, Speaking about mm. cities, yeah, it's the one thing
1: I feel like it's funny, Fred, you'll like, uh, like, Burton, you'll know this just because you play in bands and Fred, you'll know this because you've been around forever and also you book. Um, mm. For people who don't know when it comes to North American booking and touring, uh, when bigger bands tour, you've got A cities, B cities, and C cities. It's alphabetical. Exactly what the fuck you think it is. And it really sucks because what you'll do is you'll hit all the A cities on your big tour and then you'll hit all the B cities about a year later when you just want to make some extra cash and instead of hitting uh philadelphia you play lancaster and then you'll hit a c which is like instead of playing lancaster you'll play whatever the fuck is 45 minutes outside of lancaster but not too close to pittsburgh um so yeah you've got toronto
0: or something yeah yeah okay yeah
1: just relating it back to where we are here is that like toronto's the only a city around and then the b cities people would would go to hamilton uh, but the only thing that they can play is we have an arena here that can fit that has like the junior hockey team so I saw a ghost there like 2 years ago and it was you know like 7000 people but there's no we don't have like a 500 person concert hall here yeah so they'll go around so hamilton ends up being not even on the alphabetical
2: list i mean do you guys do how, like how's like how, like are there like house shows like like how does that work
1: there are. There's a good DIY community. Just the like, you hardly have them in places like Toronto, just because it's so expensive. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah there's. I there are there are a few houses that do shows here for sure. Um, I haven't played a house show in a while because I uh, like to be a sociable person, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm very bad in enclosed places with lots of people. It's where my uh, my anxiety runs supreme when I have to physically be around a lot of people. Totally. Uh, so. COVID has been mm-hmm. fine. Um, but like, you know, I'm at work right now and we, have there's probably 40 people in our store right now, but I am in a closed door office and I feel great. Yes. Um, so yeah, I haven't like been to a show or played at like a small space show in a while. Um, mm-hmm. And even like when I'm at shows in general, I'm usually like, I want to interact with people, but I'm like behind the merch booths because there's space. Totally. There's a team mm-hmm. between me and you and I can do a thing and sit and read for a while and just like get my head out of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it's just really. Can I yeah, ask
0: you conversely sure. with that? Like, cause, cause here's the thing. It's like, okay. So obviously that's how you feel about, you know, like in close spaces, but as a musician, I would imagine your lizard brain is probably also stoked that this packed ass room is here to see you play. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah which no, it, one wins between those?
1: Oh, it's always the playing. Listen, you have to, this is the one thing that I'll hate is that you without question and nobody can say, no, you have to have an ego to play music and go play a concert. You have to, yeah, there, yeah. there's a, and there's a difference between a healthy ego and a fucking scary ego. And it's really easy to discern, but you have to yeah. like, you like, You have to make art that you think is worth other people listening to in order to go to a Mm -hmm. show where people are going to pay to get in. If you think Mm -hmm. someone, if you like, if you break it down into that type of literature, right, or like that type of vocabulary, it really is, it's a transactional thing. It's I'm making something, I'm expressing something, and it's important, and I think you or a room full of people should hear it and should appreciate it. That's ego yeah. the way around it. Totally. Yeah, The ego always wins out, but there's ways to mitigate that shit. Like being I'm in, like I'm not old. I'm 33 and I'm able to, after, you know, 16, 16 years of playing shows. No 13. Let's say a healthy 20 years of playing concerts. I have the tools in order to be able to mitigate myself like to uh, mitigate those feelings of, oh, I'm going to die. There's too many people around, which is genuinely the mm-hmm. only way I can describe feeling of like a panic attack or my like anxiety, like social anxiety of being around. It's like, I am going to die somehow. It's going to happen if a hundred people out of this room of 103 people don't leave right now. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, I've got my own like tips and tricks and it's fine. Also, we only, I think before uh, we took a bathroom or a, like a washroom slash me having a work break, we were talking about the fact that like we only tour, like we only play probably at most six weeks worth of shows. a year. Mm-hmm. Usually it'll be around three to four weeks. We'll do like a small thing. We'll do like something in our area and then we'll do like a real two week tour and then we'll like sprinkle a couple weeks out and about at places. Like when we went to Roadburn, that was a week out of our, le- a week out of our touring schedule. So wow. I'm like, you know, in that classic style of like introvert for every hour, you have to be with someone. There's two hours that you have to recharge. I have four to six weeks a year that I can play shows. And then I've got the rest of the balance of time is when I can recharge from not being around people.
2: I, <laughs>
0: fair I, enough. I,
2: yeah. I so completely identify with you on, on all of, in all of this, you know, I, I feel so fortunate that I get to play music, and that anybody bothers to listen ever. Let it, let alone the fact that like some that I like somewhat make a living doing it at this point, which is is just absolutely wild. Um, I have really gnarly social anxiety, and uh, I, you know, I'm I'm awkward over a computer, you know, or, or you know, just kind of like in general, but. I can be like very, very awkward in person and I feel like I'm going to explode when I have to engage with too many people or when I'm, uh, you know, kind of like in the midst of a lot of people at once and people like know each other freaks me out. Um, I somehow can like have some distance when it comes to like actually playing, you know, because I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody, you know, I'm just, yep. I'm just performing mm-hmm. a task. And it, it's like that, you know, you, you, you hear that, like that trick in public speaking, like you uh, picture the audience in their underwear, you know, uh, yeah. like that's, that's kind of like what I do sometimes, but I just, I can shut this part off. I force myself to work the merch tables because if I don't work the merch tables then I'm like, not going to talk to anybody because I'm scared of everyone. So it's like, working the merch,
1: or you're gonna end up talking to one person a lot and hyper focus on them yeah. and be like it's because i can't see anyone else and then that person leaves feeling
2: horrible. exactly yeah totally and t- i feel you yeah yeah the merch table is oh. a very healthy place for me but it's the best. yeah it's one-on-one
1: you can, you're not serving a million people at a time even if there's a line you're talking to one person yeah. there's a transaction you can get off of it and then you can give them their stuff you can say thank you and then you can dip and then it's the next person it's really wonderful exactly um So like, let me ask you a question, Uh, please. If, if I'm off base, hit me on it. Um, You are sober now, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, How, so a lot of people deal with their anxieties through substance. Yes. Uh, You, have you like, uh, how, how long have you been like off of the things?
2: Uh, It was 11 years the other day. Cool. Yeah. When you
1: were what, so from that transition point, What, if you feel like talking about it? awesome, if not, no worries. I'm truly intrigued is what tools are in your chest now for like 12 years ago, being at a show, whether it was uh, a sniff or a poke or a drink, you could probably dull all the weird feelings. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you use? What are your, what are your tools now?
2: I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I very much had to be, I had to be in a certain state in order to like you know, kind of just get out of bed, uh, let alone play a show I, I tried playing a sober show. It's funny. Uh, I once played in the last time I played in Miami, the only time I played in Miami, I was unable to cop before the show. And I, I, I played like, you know, fucking bone dry. And it was absolutely <sighs> terrifying. Um, and it was like one of two sober shows that I think that I, like ever played in like the, uh, the second one I, I I I told the story about that when Ethan was on the show the other day where I wound up getting into a fight with somebody midset um who who oh it's a long story. anybody can go back to that episode. But anyway, um you know it took me uh it took me a long time to get comfortable enough to play in front of people again or to play Kind of like in in general, um, and uh, like you know, I think tools are a- is absolutely the correct word for what I uh, for, for for what I reach for. You know, I, I don't do this, uh, you know, without like psychic uh, and like spiritual lubrication. You know, I maintain close contact with other. people Sober individuals, you know, Uh, I make a lot of phone calls to people um, who are often, you know, not involved in music, but sometimes they are, you know, Um, and, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time reading, I make sure to spend a lot of time uh, kind of uh, kind of by myself or, you know, in places where I can like get quiet uh, so I don't get so overwhelmed you know, and, uh, you know, the, but the phone and, uh, a good book are really kind of my, uh, like are my go-tos. The trade. Yeah. Uh, wait, what's up? Tool, I said they're tools of the trade. They very they, they they are the tools of the trade. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, and besides that, like not to sound fucking corny, but a whole lot of, a whole lot of, um, meditation and like general fucking, you know, uh, your, your basic mindfulness techniques, like, you know, basic breathing, base basic, like, you know, uh, kind of like, kind of like uh, I also have like a bunch of uh, like CBT cognitive behavioral therapy type tricks where I kind of force myself to do the opposite of what my instinct is, um, and, you know, and, uh, and, and that, that all proves to be, you know, very beneficial. Um, and, uh, you know, also just remembering that, like, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, that that discomfort is going to pass and I don't want to compound that discomfort by, acting in such a way that uh, will cause me or anybody else pain. So I just go out there and try to do the best job that I can. And, um, yeah, you know, uh, it, it's served me pretty well so far.
1: Yeah. I, I really, I really like the way you put that. And I feel like that's the, like that information, especially with your, like, I don't want to say position, I feel like it's the wrong word, but you're like status is somebody who's been around a while and played in a lot of rad bands and is currently playing in a really rad band and has a platform, that type of information. And you saying that is going to help someone because there are a lot of people who have tool chests that have nothing in it and even just hearing what people's tools are. And I'm using that terminology specifically because it's it's, it's easy shit for people to get, you know. Um that's that's really important for people to hear, I feel like. And I appreciate you sharing it with me. So thanks, and thanks for humoring the question.
2: Oh dude, totally. I you know it's one of because obviously I'm interviewing you guys <laughs> I, I I enjoy this exchange. I this, <laughs> I was not expecting this at all. And, it, and, I, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I gotta tell you, KW, it's been it is it, it, it's lovely, and um everybody kind of treats their um you know, their sobriety, abstinence, addiction, whatever, and uh their level of being public about it differently. Uh I don't think one size fits all. And you know, I I don't try to make it the focus of uh uh you know of every conversation I have, but I find that it's worthwhile that when it comes up in conversation to answer openly and honestly, you know, and yeah.
1: You know. So I, Mm -hmm. I, I, again, I love the way that you just put that and to flip it, it's going to sound probably like a weird correlation, but I, the, what you just said, I find it the same thing with my like queerness and queer identity Mm -hmm. where I don't work it into every conversation. A lot of our conversations around our band are focused on it because we're just, we are who we are. And we say the shit that we say. Um, But it is funny how you can get to a point where you're like talking about this thing is going to drive me wild, whether it's about uh, sobriety or your self identity or whatever it is that you're doing. But then the one time where you're fucking done with it, and then you mention something and talk, it ends up helping someone mm-hmm. is the thing that keeps you doing the thing. And I find that I like, I, yeah, I identified a lot with that statement. Is what I'm to
2: say. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, Like if you you might have noticed, we didn't, you know, it's not that you haven't talked about we haven't talked about your queer identity at all here, but it hasn't been a focal point at all. And like the reason being, you know, much like when we had Ethan on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, and you know, we we laughed about the fact (laughs) that uh, like the primitive record, the primitive man record came out around the time of the George Floyd protests and he was getting beaten <laughs> yeah. over the head by like being like the token black guy in metal. Um, oh my God. and, I can't even imagine. you know, I assume that whoever's listening to this is aware of your band is aware of your identity and Vic's identity. And like, you know, like, like I just wanted to talk to you however you know however came out but more as like a peer than as like you know like, yeah exactly like i I, 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 don't, I don't i don't need to shake you and be like hey look you're our queer friend oh like but, but that's but like you said like you know um I can imagine. Hey put, some,
1: hey, put some respect on that, okay? You can shake me and call me your Juno-nominated queer friend, okay? <laughs> you are my
2: Juno-nominated queer friend. There you go. There um, you go. But <laughs> but yeah, you know, like like I said, like a little while ago, you know, like man, I might have gotten sober earlier if I knew that other people playing crazy music were sober, uh, and the more visible that you are. The more, like, I can only imagine if we're back in the fucking aughts and it was just meshback hats and fucking uh, swinging dicks and like every other word was a slur. You know, um, that's yeah. that's got, like I'm a fucking I, I'm 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 a cis white man, so I, you know, my issues are different. But I could only imagine somebody struggling with their gender identity um or sexual identity or anything uh having to live in that environment and i hope that it's better today and it's better today hope like because of people like like you and vic yeah i i
1: find it like i will and i appreciate that i will say like so i'm always and i said it before i'll say it again because i don't want to like shame anybody who's ever interviewed us but like we we love we're in a band and we love playing music and we are both like uh thick as gender neutral i identify as a man we're both very very queer and we both also stand up for the things that we believe in we're both very out politically because mm-hmm. that's the position and who we are as people and we wouldn't be able to be any other way but like our yeah i don't know it's the like growing up in south florida as a i didn't you said those terms struggle with your identity, like struggle with like gender and sexual identities, which a lot of people do, and a lot of people who listen to our band do. I never struggled with any of that. I don't remember a time when I wasn't queer, and I don't remember a time where I didn't have my own, like uh, where I struggled with my gender identity. I always knew what it was, despite what all the information was. Yeah. That makes
2: sense. Totally.
1: Um, the issue was the, everybody else struggled with my identity. Growing up in South Florida as a, 12 year old queer kid being, and I'm not like, I don't talk a specific way. I don't look a specific way. Uh, I don't have rainbow flags all over my face, like a stereotypical, like uh queer, like uh, male identifying person would, but like, I would not afraid to be myself as young as I could be. Um, so being a, uh, I don't know if I've like said this story out loud before but something everybody around me knows is like so i so i've been in the hospital a lot i got into a lot of fights when i was a kid and being younger it wasn't so much fights as it was getting the shit kicked out of me for who i was and uh and like we're talking hospital fights for example um so i have an eye disease called keratoconus which has left me blind in my left eye i have about 55 percent vision in my right i'm wearing glasses right now because this eye is correctable so i can still drive i can still function everything's fine um, at some point I will get an eye transplant in the side, which is going to be crazy. And weird. Um, more microchips, right? <laughs> um, able to go get microchips. But continuing on is that I'm also grayscale color. Uh, I wasn't always that way. Uh, I was normal colorblind, but then when I was, uh, I believe I was 13 years old, it was Halloween, uh, a group of five guys, uh, dragged me from trick or treating across a field onto a fence, beat the shit out of me and emptied an entire can of spray paint into my eyes. Uh, This is growing up in self to tie everything back together in a neat little bow. This is where my feelings from self were to come. And this is my experience growing up in, this would have been 2000, 2001 as a queer kid. And this is before the greater lexicon understood like the vernacular of trans and queer and all of these words Mm -hmm. were not things that people knew.
2: Yeah.
1: These were not things that normal people knew. These were still uh, fringe ideas and fringe identities where a lot of people had to hide. And that's not the worst thing that ever happened to me because of my identity. That's just a thing that happened to me because of my identity. Mm -hmm. And I grew into a chubby but strong man who has no issue with getting hit. And has no issue with putting themselves on the front line of a situation or stepping into one, because I know you can't hurt me more than I've been hurt physically in my life. I'm not trying to sound like a tough guy here. I'm just Mm -hmm. flat, like just putting it out. Yeah. So of course we as a band and we in, uh, community that is like heavy and gnarly and weird and let's make our hand look like it's i know it's supposed to be an invisible orange but mostly to me it looks like you're holding a skull which kind of makes sense right when you've got your mm-hmm. hands all curled up and stuff and it's metal and masculine and red. of mm-hmm. course we're going to be out and queer and proud and be fine with who the fuck we are because that's how we were conditioned when we grew up and we're not mm-hmm. gonna hide from that i'm not gonna be anything but myself because i fucking earned it and i fucking deserve it and I get to be me, just like y'all get to be you and everybody gets to be themselves. Absolutely uh, and, I will, and I will stand up for that shit. And that's where our bands, like we call ourselves the angry queer gloom Cult. That's the thing, a joke we came up with originally that people identified with and It's cool and rad, but yeah, we're silly. We're stupid. We have six cats and a dog, which is all we give a fuck about really. Um, and we like playing music together, so we're just going to be ourselves. And that also happens to involve a strong queer identity. Yeah. Um, and fortunately most people treat it that way. Um, and it's been great. We also try to make really rad music, which we appreciate. So I appreciate being able to talk about music as well, circling that back around.
0: So, uh, KW, I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. It was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Great. Thank
1: you very yeah. much. It was a pleasure getting to uh see you again, Fred, and talk with you. Mike, it was a pleasure to actually get to meet wonderful, you wonderful chat. You.
2: Wonderful getting to <laughs> chat with you. <laughs> 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 it, it, yeah, it, it, it was just great this talk, a joy. For sure. Uh, thank you yeah. so much for doing it. And
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Metal Matters. Make sure you like or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, to get the most recent episodes automatically delivered to your phone. Thanks for listening and catch you next week.